You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If. This week, we are continuing along in our comic book couples month, and we're going to be talking about Marvel's yes. first couple. Yeah, it's, it's uh, February. Love is in the air, so Valentine's Day is just right around the corner. And uh, yeah, now it's Marvel's turn. We're going to talk about their little hint, fantastic first couple. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can guess I mean, that's a got. pretty big hint right there. <laughs> All right, three more hints to go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're going to be talking about Reed, Reed Richards and Sue Storm, or Reed St- or Sue Storm, Sue Sue Storm Richards. Richards? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, they're definitely. I mean, they've been billed as the Fantastic Four has been billed as the first family of the Marvel universe for the longest time. Like that was Stanley's answer to the Justice League, right? Yep, like, yeah. They. they DC said, or was it Marvel? Well, the two big heads were golfing, and mm-hmm. you know, the DC guy was like, "Yeah, man, we've got you know gangbusters with these Justice League characters." And I think it was Martin Goodwin, if I remember the name correctly. And yeah, he went to Stan after that game, and he's like, "I need a Justice League. Make me a team of heroes." And, and this was the point where he was already wanting to quit. Like yeah, he didn't want to do it anymore. Sixty-one, probably nineteen sixty, sixty-one, depending on the months. Uh, yeah, he was done. He was like, comic book writing just isn't doing it for me anywhere and luckily Joni Joni was like well then do what you want to do if you're going to quit write the last book yeah, you want to write the last book you want to write and so he did and he created the Fantastic Four Reed Sue Ben and Johnny heroes like you'd never seen before and it you know thus began the Marvel Age of Comics and yeah you know I mean I know people could probably go back and say, well, what about maybe Namor or the, the Android Human Torch or Captain America even? But it's like, no, you you don't really have the Marvel Age until the Fantastic Four. That's when it, it became what it became. And so, yeah, what better couple to celebrate Marvel's longest stance of love and happiness and happy endings than Reed and Sue. All right. So after we get done with our spinner rack, we'll, we'll get into the... Read and Sue show. <laughs> All right. Well, here it is. Wonderful Wednesday. And let's see what's at your local comic shops. Coming from Boom Studios, just for those of you that are collecting, I want to keep you on point with it. Mighty Morphing Power Rangers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one will be getting a third printing. So if you are one of those people collecting all the covers, make sure you get yourself one of those. Uh, also, while we're talking about it, Saban's Go Go Power Rangers number 29 will be out as well. I actually hear this book is, if I remember correctly, I think they're going to be canceling it pretty soon. Oh, wow. Uh, just because they finally got got two titles but then they're going to fold back into one it's going to be real interesting so i i can see it it's one of those things where it's like it's it's kind of like like for say the walking dead you know writing the book and the show well every time you're writing a book you're putting an idea out there and then that idea maybe could have gotten a wider audience on tv so Mm -hmm. that's why you kind of you cut your cord so maybe that's what they're looking at there but fantastic stuff so enjoy it while it's out there All right, let's go to the big two. Now we're talking DC Comics. First thing on my list here I'm seeing is Animal Man by Grant Morrison, Volume 1, Trade Paperback. Now, we just had the big crisis on Infinite Earth, so more and more people are aware of this. Uh, A lot of people love their comic books breaking the fourth wall and just the wacky and the zany. And when you think wacky and zany, why not think Grant Morrison? For some strange reason, he got to write Animal Man. Now, (laughs) Animal Man isn't a guy known for being in these wild things. And sure enough, that's what Grant Morrison did. These stories would have him breaking the fourth wall, eventually to the point of uh, Grant and Animal Man talking to each other. Right. but the reason I bring this up is depending on how far this trade paperback series goes, you'll actually see the Psycho Pirate. Now, he wasn't featured in the TV shows, but he was majorly featured in the comics. And he starts referencing the crisis. Like He's like, I remember everything. I remember the worlds that lived. I remember the worlds that died. So this is some pretty wild stuff. I've been trying to read it, but I haven't. So I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll try this one out as well. But I was thinking about Animal Man the other day, and this kind of this, this brought it up. And maybe this would be one of those, like, I don't know, Tom King, I know you listen. Um, <laughs> But this would almost be worthwhile. Like it's kind of like how he he did that deconstruction with Mister Miracle, and it looks like they're really going to do something with Adam Strange. They're definitely going to do something with Adam Strange. I would love to do one with Animal Man, and not that I'm saying I want to break the man or put him through hell, but I can imagine. Can you imagine that power source? 
It's, I mean, it's pretty incredible. It's incredible, but you know how hurtful it would be though as well? Because like you can, you're an empath to animals. You feel everything and it's like, you know, so can you imagine like he's out with his family going on a walk and, you know, here comes a guy walking his dog and you can just feel that, you know, oh my God, this guy abuses his dog. What do I do? Like there's no evidence evidence of it right now. And does that hold up in court? You know, he's like, yeah, there's a reason I beat the shit out of that guy because he beats his dog. <laughs> What proof do you have? The dog told me. <laughs> uh, case dismissed, you know? So it's one of those things. And it's like, so I think that'd be really interesting. And like, how do you live with that? You know, because even then, like, I never thought about that. Like, t- telepathy is a beautiful power, right? No, it's not. I mean, yeah, you, you don't want to know what's going off, on. You're going to know what everybody's thinking all the time. So like, you could say something and you hear that person's honest reaction. And it's like, go. Oh, God. You know? <laughs> so anyways, tangent over. Uh, Batman and the Outsiders number 10 will be out. Batman, Pennyworth, RIP number one. So this is going to be a big issue. This is going to be having Batman and various other Bat-related characters reacting to the death of Alfred. Uh, That hit me pretty hard, you know, and uh, I think last week I talked about they had the annual from Detective Comics. Um, I was hoping that was going to have a nice touchstone moment, but maybe it'll come in this one. So keep it on your radar. Check it out. Uh, Batman's Grave number five will be out, and this is part of um, Brian Hitch and, oh, I can't think of his name, Big Writer. Anyway, so he, he uh, I feel bad because it's a big, <laughs> okay, who's the guy who did authority, I think? Warren Ellis. Warren Ellis, yeah. Yeah, uh, Batman's Grave number five, Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch, this is their big Batman story. Is it in continuity? Is it not? I don't know, but, you know, it's definitely very pretty to look at. Uh, ba- uh, Billy Batson and the Magic of Shazam Volume 1 trade, paper bu- pay- trade paperback will be out. This is a fun story, definitely drawn in a very uh, animated style, uh, really classy looking stuff. And again, Shazam's popular right now, so definitely worth checking out. Um, we have Dollar Comics, so if you want to try to save yourself some money, that's a good idea. So Dollar Comics Batman issue 567 will be out. Why is this one being reprinted? I don't know. Let me get a cover. Okay. It's the first appearance of the Cassandra Kane. Wow. Um, if you read about this Batgirl, this will not be the Batgirl that you just saw in no. movie theaters because there was a character that they created and they said, hey, how can we make this character popular? Let's just recycle a name. Kind of like what they did with Fire Fist over in Deadpool 2. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like they did with Fire Fist in Deadpool <laughs> 2. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so yeah, so you got that one. So if you're a Cassandra Kane fan and you want to get a, a nice copy of her first appearance, there you go. Along with Dollar Comics, you'll also get a Dollar Comics reprint of Green Lantern Rebirth number one. That is the book that just did so much for Green Lantern, Jeff Johns, and even DC Comics itself. That's where we start seeing the word rebirth being a very serious matter. Flash 88 will be out. Flash Giant number three will be out as well. Speaking of Green Lantern, Green Lantern season two number one will be out. Uh, This is Grant Morrison, Liam Sharp as they take Hal Jordan across the cosmos, both inner and outer and all the wacky shenanigans that they go through. uh, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy number six of six will be out. So that concludes their spinoff book coming out of Heroes in Crisis. Uh, Conveniently, now we have a Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey number one. Uh, It's a four issue miniseries. Obviously, with the big movie, there's going to be a lot of that. And if you're curious, check it out. It could be fun. And if you're looking for more, there's even Harley Quinn and the Gotham Girls trade paperback. This will be various stories that help to... um, shape their non-existent relationship showing that it was always there (laughs) Uh, Justice League Corporate Maneuvers trade paperback will be out this is fun but this is a tough investment it's a $25 trade paperback I would tell you to get it just because this is Keith Giffen um, Giffen, DeMattis and all those guys when they did their wacky crazy Justice League adventures Um, now those adventures have been collected in various ways they started a beautiful hardcover series that they didn't finish then they started a beautiful trade paperback series that went a little bit longer but still didn't finish then they released omnibuses but they had bad printing in them so it's been tough it's just like god just give us a nice set but anyways this is kind of like a companion to that so the good news is these are stories that haven't been collected that could be worth putting in your collection as well this will collect Justice League quarterly number one so these are going to be fun offbeat stories that will feature character characters and all kinds of wild stuff and so you know those those little moments behind the scenes but between the big action and what's going on um 
We have Supergirl number 39, Superman number 20, continuing the fallout of Clark Kent revealing to the world that he is Superman, and then Superman Heroes number one, which will be the official reaction book. Like, how does Batman feel about this? How does Captain Marvel feel about this? Oh, wait, Captain Marvel, sorry. Shazam, how does Shazam (laughs) feel about this? Uh, The Terrifics will be celebrating their 25th issue, so that's going to be big. Wonder Woman now has the large number, so we're going to be getting Wonder Woman 751. So yeah, a lot of crazy stuff going there. Uh, like I said, for me, the two big books would probably be that uh, Alfred R.I.P. and Superman Heroes. I think those will be the big ones of the week. And again, there's going to be a lot of sprinkling in the DC Comics because they're looking at, I guess, restarting the universe. or not necessarily restarting it, but reestablishing the history. Mm-hmm. So as we saw in Wonder Woman 750, that was a big moment. Uh, and then the death of Alfred and the unmasking of Superman, those are going to be some big moments that are leading to, who knows, some kind of crisis. That's <laughs> what we should call it. What crisis? All right. Well, uh, there was a, was it someone, was it Jim Lee that tweeted something about, because uh, uh, what was it in uh, Doomsday Clock where they mentioned the crisis between the, that happens between the Marvel and DC universe again or something like that. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he made a joke about it in his tweet. And I think one of the comic book, uh, dot coms, um, went, went with it being they like, newsed it. <laughs> yeah. They newsed it. And it's like, Oh, he's, he's saying that there might be a crisis between the two, the, the two worlds. They might be doing Marvel DC again, but I think it was just more of a joke. Yeah, no, it's right now. Like, Honestly, I could see a DC Marvel crossover movie before I see a DC Marvel crossover comic. Like, just because it's like, hey, if we're going to do this, if we're going to work together, because like, it's funny, I didn't know this, like looking at the, uh, the rights to everything, it all comes down to who gets to republish everything. Mm-hmm. So that's where they have the trouble. So like, for example, when they did Justice League Avengers, which was the last time the two companies crossed over, um, and it was a fantastic story. Go find it. Yep. Good luck. Uh, just because even the original four-part miniseries is very expensive in the secondary market, the trade paperback is out of print. So that thing like is almost over a hundred bucks. Wow! And they even did an a, an, a, an absolute edition. So I bought it at its original price point of seventy-five. Nowadays, I think that thing sits at like three, four hundred dollars. Wow! Yeah. So it's just crazy. So that's where the problem is. It's like, well, they both agree. You print two issues. We'll print two issues. Bada bing, bada bing. But then it's like, well, there's only going to be one trade. So who gets those rights you know well i mean that seems dumb it should it be, really they is. should be able to just split, split it down the middle like yeah. it, it seems like that's the easy way to do it but i mean i don't run multi-billion dollar companies so i don't know oh they just run them easy that seems like <laughs> the smart way to do it i'd say <laughs> um yeah like when we interviewed uh ron mars yeah when uh-huh. we when we talked to him he said that if they ever did Marvel versus DC again, it'd be because the companies were going out of out of business again, just because that's the reason why it happened the first time around. Like, yeah. it was a shot of uh, a shot in the arm, a shot in the yeah. arm. Yeah, a hail mary, mad yeah. pass. Like, hey, Captain America is going to be fighting Batman. You should check it out, yeah, right. and it it probably helped. I would imagine. Well, it did. I mean, like honestly, like I, I would say, like at that point. That's where it got me looking more at like peripheral books because before you'd buy the main stuff. Then it's like, well, once DC versus Marvel happened, I mean, I plunkered down money I didn't have to buy those amalgam comics, mm-hmm. you know, and everything about it. I went to, God, I went to Toys R Us and I bought the reprints. The, <laughs> they had the gold trim on them and it was the first Superman Spider Man team up, the second Superman Spider Man team up, Batman versus the Hulk, uh, J, uh, d- 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 Teen Titans and X Men. Mm-hmm. All beautiful books to read. But yeah, I mean, I went out and collected everything. Hell, I was even buying the trade cards, you know, like, okay, the trading <laughs> cards. Yeah, let's get that. <laughs> and then recently in the Wally West flashbook, they had yeah. him go up against a team that was basically the X-Men and the Avengers, right? I think so. I, yeah. I mean, I read that in passing in, a, in an article, but and I didn't read the issue. But yeah. but both it, of them doing that, like even like I think they were saying, well, like essentially like right now in uh, Jason Aaron's Avengers the squadron supreme they're just they are super being like the justice league oh really you know and even then i think in like one of the books they were like on the marvel side they're like yeah they just killed the dc universe or you know so they're they're, like the the companies and the writers they're are the writers not the companies the writers and the artists are definitely doing you know like we're having our unofficial trade our crossover and it's just a matter of time to the (laughs) point where finally the suits will be like okay fine do your nerd (laughs) stuff let's hope (laughs) uh and then what is it over in deadpool the end 
they have Deadpool looking like the Batman who laughs, and I think there's some jokes about them defeating oh, no the, the Justice League or something like that, or at least something like the Justice League. That's fine. I'll have to check that out. So, yeah. so that's the, the yeah the company's. The fan base is there, and the the writers and the artists are there, but let's gotta see, get the companies yeah, to talk. Get those suits to do it. <laughs> All right, well, let's see. Uh, so here we go. Now we are at Marvel Comics. What's coming out this week for Marvel? Well, we have The Amazing Spider-Man number 39. Um, actually, I don't even know what's going on in the Spider-Man books real quick. Let me see if I can pull up the solicit here. Oh, this actually does look like a fun issue. So J. Jonah Jameson is now a podcaster, just like your favorite two people talking to you right now. <laughs> um, so he is podcasting, and he's putting all his information out there. Now, J. Jonah Jameson also knows Spider-Man and Peter Parker are one and the same. So it looks like in this cover, we have Peter and, uh, well, sorry, Spider-Man and J- Jolly J. Jonah yelling at each other in front of a podcast mic. So I think they're going to be on the same show, and there's going to be a little bit of a hashing it out. Uh, Black Panther and the Agents of Wakanda number six will be out. Oh, and by the way, this week there's going to be a lot of Gwen Stacy variant covers. Uh, so that's going to be big. Why? Because Todd Knack, one of our favorites, is going to be doing a, I believe, a six-issue miniseries about Gwen Stacy back in her early days in the Marvel Universe, how she started meeting everybody and all this fun stuff. That's so wild that she's back and being such a big popular character again. I, I dig it. Um, let's see. So we have a Black Widow epic collection, Beware the Black Widow. We have Daredevil by Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Mavley. Their omnibus, the second volume, will be getting a new printing. And that's a great era of Daredevil. Um, God, Bendis. Like, okay, so actually that reminds me. So that's the correct stuff. So in that volume, and again, spoilers for a comic that's over 10 years old. (laughs) Okay, don't get mad. (coughs) So in that, because it's love, and we'll talk about that stuff, um, Daredevil finally got married. Mm-hmm. Uh, he met Mila, another uh, a blind woman as well. And so since she can't see, she could pick up the fact that Matt and Daredevil sound the same and act the same and everything. So she's like, oh my God, that guy's Daredevil. <laughs> so she starts going after him. And of course, at that point in Hell's Kitchen, everybody's like, yeah, Matt's Daredevil. We just don't say anything because we don't want to lose Daredevil. <laughs> so she goes after him. They start pursuing a relationship and they actually get married. Uh, but the, what the most important part about this, though, is the character design of Mila is actually Alex Mavley's real life wife. Wow. Yeah, I thought that was so amazing. So beautiful. What a way to honor your, your your loved one. And so not only do we get love in comics, but we have love from comics. There well. you go. So sharing, the, sharing the joy. Uh, Dawn of X Volume 1 will be out. This is a trade paperback series that will collect all the post-Hickman uh, House of X Powers of 10 stories in order. So, And even then, they're not all written by Hickman. So this will be like all the first issues of all the new books. Uh, X-Men. Excalibur. Uh, Excalibur. X-Force. X-Force. New Mutants. Exterminators? Exterminators. Are the Exterminated, uh, Fallen Angels, and stuff like that. So they're all going to be printed. So if you love this era that much, you can get all the books in release order, story order. Doctor Strange number three will be out. Excalibur number seven will be out as well. Um, let me see here. I think they, they got a typo on this, but I think it might be the trade I'm looking at. Yes, Fantastic Four, the end. Number or The trade paperback will be released. Um and this one's neat because Alan Davis is behind it. Alan Davis is a very big fan of the Fantastic Four. So around the uh, early 2000s, Marvel was doing the end books, and they recently started doing them again. So they're releasing the originals. And so here, if you want to see how the Fantastic Four end, potentially, this is the book for you. And I'm sure after you listen to our podcast, we're going to get you thinking about reading, Sue. Why not see how their, how their time <laughs> comes? Uh, and oh, I, I was wrong. Not only are we getting the Gwen Stacy miniseries, it's a five-issue miniseries, but it begins this week. So if you want to see Gwen Stacy's origins in the Marvel Universe and how she interacted with everybody, it begins now with the beautiful art of Todd Knack. Uh, Hulk, the end trade paperback, will also be re-released as well. That was a beautiful one. It was sad. Oh, my God. Because all Bruce wants to do is die, and he can't. All that's left on the earth is Bruce Banner, a.k.a. the Hulk, and a bunch of cockroaches. <laughs> I remember oh, that. Oh, that's rough. Uh, the Immortal Hulk issue 31 will be out, continuing that amazing series. Um, 
Iron Man 2020 issue two will be out as well. And this continues like we are in the year 2020. So why not? Let's get crazy Arno Stark to be doing some wild stuff. Uh, Jessica Jones blind spot number three of six will be out. Uh, that's her her new miniseries dealing with um, her adventures in the Marvel Universe. Life of Captain Marvel, Marvel Select hardcover. So the Marvel Selects, that is the premier edition hardcover outside of the omnibus and whatever else they choose to make. But this will feature the brand new origin of Captain Marvel, getting her more in line with the Marvel Universe, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Marvel Tales Wolverine number one will be out. This will reprint some classic Wolverine stories with a beautiful cover. Uh, Marvel's Spider-Man The Black Cat Strikes number two of five will be out as this continues the PlayStation adventures of that Marvel universe. How cool is that, that that thing is starting to become its own big thing. Um, Morbius number four is out. That's right. We have a movie coming. So let's hype up the character. Uh, Nebula will be getting her own mini series. So she'll be getting a five parter and issue one begins this week. So, in case we forgot, Nebula is the twisted daughter and sister of Thanos and Gamora, respectively. Now she is definitely more in the movie look, so we get to see what's going on with her there. Uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales will be getting his own omnibus. Spirits, Ghost Rider, Mother of Demons number one. Okay, I am looking forward to this book. Why? Because right now, well, okay, Ghost Rider is one of my favorite characters. I just think he's amazing. And what they're doing in the book has been fantastic. Ed Brisson is a great writer. I love the way he gets his characters. So he's been building a lot of stuff because Johnny Blaze is the king of hell. Uh, he just turned around and took Danny Ketch, removed the spirit of vengeance, and now imbued him with the spirit of corruption. Ooh. Yeah, it's crazy. So Johnny is hell. Um, Danny would be probably representing limbo, I think, or purgatory. Um, either way, a bad place. So those two are going to be coming to a head. But right now, all the demon lords are kind of looking at a way to take over hell. So who better to then try to mess around than Lilith? And Lilith, she kind of has ties. Sometimes she's... Like, she's definitely screwed over Johnny Blaze's life. I think she's the one responsible for taking uh, Johnny's wife and children and just basically killing them. So I am very excited to see how they're going to play that history out. Uh, Symbiote Spider-Man Alien Reality number three of five will be out. This is taking... <coughs> this is another book where there was Spider-Man, just an idea, and it grew so large. So basically, this is Symbiote Spider-Man. So he's got the the, the the alien costume. And then on top of that, now he's the Sorcerer Supreme. So this is just an amazing what-if world from the crazy mind of Peter David doing some wild, wild stuff. Thor number three will be out. This is Donnie Coates at bat. True Believers, it's time to save some money. So True Believers, Iron Man 2020 theme this month. So you have Albert and Elise D. So who's Albert? Well, we saw him kind of in Logan, the movie. Oh. Albert is the robot Wolverine. That's right, yeah. So, yeah. so he's getting his moment. And obviously with it being Iron Man 2020, that works out as well. And this is probably going to be the one that you really want to pick up because even though these are dollar reprints, they still go amazing on the secondary market. So True Believers Iron Man 2020, Arno Stark number one. That's right. The very first appearance of wow. the crazy Iron Man 2020 because we didn't think 2020 was actually going to happen. <laughs> and now we're in it. Uh, Ultimates by Mark Millar and Brian Hitch. Omnibus will be collected. And if you want to see where a lot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe came from, this is the place to go. Now, Captain America is going to use some foul language. So I'm warning you, it's not the squeaky queen Chris Evans that we're used to. Uh, Wolverine by Claremont and Miller. Their Wolverine issue one will get a facsimile edition. Venom issue 23 will be out as well. And X-Force number seven, along with X-Men number six, to close out what's coming from Marvel this Wednesday. Wow. So that's quite the spinner rack. Uh, we did talk about it a little bit earlier. Uh, we hit on it. We both went and saw Birds of Prey this this week this past weekend yes um there is only one other dc movie that's coming out this year and it's wonder woman so this is starting off the year for dc wonder woman's the other movie uh marvel i mean marvel cinematic universe has two movies coming out but then also the sony marvel universe which is kind of tied in together now yeah yeah has two movies coming out they have venom and uh Wait, is Venom coming out this year? No, Venom's not no, coming out this so. year. So it's just uh what should we call it? Wonder Woman Black Widow. No, well oh, sorry. Um Morbius. Morbius, Morbius is coming okay, out. Yeah. But then there's the we're finally gonna get the new mutants movie that was part of Fox. Oh, and it then, is gonna happen. Yeah, it's supposed to come out in April. So let's talk a little bit about Birds of Prey. Um would you have said before this movie? That you were a fan of the Birds of Prey books. 
Not necessarily. Like I, I enjoy it. Like I think it's a neat concept. I like the team aspect of it. Um, it's definitely revolutionary, you know, because you know some people look at comics and like, well, it's just all for boys, and it's like, no, like the, the stories of heroes can be for anybody. But I think they did a great job of highlighting very powerful female characters. Black Canary. I mean, you you really need to sit down and like. Um, Look at the history of yeah, Black look Canary. Look at the history yes. of her. Like she has just been through so much. Literally one of my favorite characters. Yeah, and so, like, you know. So anyway, so yeah, it's great to see her there. Uh, even Barbara Gordon. Like, talk about giving her new life. Like, yes, you know, the tragedy happened of the Killing Joke, and even then they hinted at her becoming the Oracle. But this is where she got to be the Oracle and shine. Mm-hmm. Huntress. You know, they they took her from just being a, a, an angry, brutal character to giving her more backstory. And even then, just the drama. Gail Simone was on that too. Uh, Chuck Dixon, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. And they do fantastic stuff with the drama. Uh, there was a panel that got posted recently that I just thought was great. Um, I follow, I think it's Blue Beater, Boost, Blue Blue Beater, Blue Beetle and Booster Gold on uh, Twitter. So, anyways, I thought this was great because it is. I, I believe it's a panel from that era, or, or at least. But they kind of had this idea that Barbara and Ted Cord were flirting. You know, like he definitely had a huge attraction to her and stuff like that. So, anyways, so it, it's Barbara talking on the phone, and and you hear from the phone receiver, "I owe you, Barb, big time." And then Barbara responds, you don't owe me anything, handsome, except maybe dinner and a movie. <laughs> then the next panel, it's Blue Beetle on the on the phone. He's squinching his face, and he's like, dinner and a movie? Handsome? You sure you don't have me mixed up with some other guy wearing click yeah. <laughs> blue? And it's, like, and it's just great. Like, obviously, that's probably more on the, the Giffen Dematis side of right. stuff. Like, that might be the Justice League heroes or whatever it was. But I just I love that idea that they played with that. And even then, I, I owe a lot of respect to the book because when Ted was killed, that book actually did like they, they did the they did a funeral bit in there and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, Dinah has a history with Ted. She was part of that era of Justice League. Uh, Barbara and Ted were starting to have feelings, you know, and stuff like that. So it's a beautiful book. Amazing stories. Great stuff. But I just it, it you know, it just didn't grab me, you know, because I can't afford every book. And at that time, so I didn't. Uh, would I go back and read this stuff? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it's a great thing. So would I say I was a hardcore fan of it? Not so much. Um, but I was excited to see that Birds of Prey was going to get a movie. I'm still excited to see that Birds of Prey could eventually get a movie. Because <laughs> this was just Harley Quinn the movie, in my opinion. So, yeah, we're going to definitely get into some a little bit of spoilers while we talk about uh, Birds of Prey and the emancipation of one fantabulous Harley Quinn. If you want to say that whole thing. I still didn't even say it right, but uh, I would just call it the Birds it. of Prey yeah, movie. Birds of Prey movie. Um yeah, uh, we instead of having a Barbara Gordon Oracle, we have Harley Quinn. She is bringing these characters together, but not really. She is the tie point, kind of. Yeah, Her she's and like Black the catalyst. Yeah. yeah, they're both. Everybody is tied together between those two characters. Yeah, they're all just characters of circumstance. Yeah, like a like a guardianship of the galaxy. Just <laughs> people come together in a time of crisis. <laughs> See, it's funny that you bring it up. That I mean, it it did give you a little bit more guardians of the galaxy it's it's definitely what suicide squad was trying to be right. when they were going to try when they were trying to get guardians of the galaxy status or whatever you want to call it right uh but i definitely saw this as their answer to deadpool 2 oh yeah this, this is deadpool 2 all over yeah this was deadpool 2 exactly like this. i mean i'm not trying to say that they're ripping off deadpool 2 it's just like it's very similar story beats like it's yeah. it's it's you have a young kid the, the young kid befriends the hero slash villain you know or i should say anti-hero uh at one point the anti-hero tries to betray the kid and then at the very end they make a sacrifice to help out the kid like kind of thing um i wouldn't say i wouldn't say that i would say that i thought the movie was good i thought it wasn't great it's better than okay it's just good I thought it was a lot. There's a lot of weird pacing. I think it jumped around a lot. Uh, the talking to the to the camera was cool. Right. The fight scenes were amazing, though. I enjoyed the hell out of them. I thought they did some really cool stuff. They did, and which was David Letch, which I believe he did Deadpool two. I don't know. Oh remember. my god! It's him. Well, he did. Funny. He did John Wick. So I don't know if he's. I know it was. There was two guys that did John Wick. And they both went off on their separate ways afterwards. One of them went and did Deadpool 2. Right. I don't know if it's the same one that did this or not. But Kathy Yon is the actual director of Birds of Prey. They brought in 
the John Wick director, because before he was a director, he was a stunt team coordinator. Oh, nice. So they had him, they brought him in to, to do the fight scenes. It's like, hey, why not? Kind of yeah. thing. Um, so I really enjoyed the fight scenes. I really enjoyed a lot of the character. For a character that I love in Black Canary, I loved what Journey Smollett Bell did. I think she did an amazing job. I liked the way she portrayed the character. Um, is it exactly the same as what I've seen in comic books before? No, but I was still okay. I loved the little in jokes. I loved the the Easter eggs. Um, Huntress, you know, uh, what's her face? What is her name? It is Mary Elizabeth Winstead playing Huntress as this. I don't know how to interact with people because I've been raised by assassins, yeah. like kind of thing, which is what Cassandra Kane is supposed to be. Yeah, like Huntress and Cassandra Kane, two different characters. Cassandra Kane eventually becomes Batgirl. She's supposed to have been raised by an assassin, not knowing how to talk, only knowing how to read people's body language to make her better a fighter. They did not do that with this Cassandra Kane. Yeah, this Cassandra Kane was so she's, different. She's a foster child, and she just steals. Yeah, she yeah. steals stuff. I don't know. I mean, I get it. They were like, hey, we just need a name. Let's use something. Yeah. But to me, that was one of my favorite Batgirls. I mean... Kind of was my Batgirl, like because Barbara. When I started reading comic books, Barbara Gordon was already Oracle. Yeah. So Cassandra King was my Batgirl. Yeah. And the fact that that's not what she's going to be, she's going to be. Sorry, so once again, spoilers. By the end of this mo- for the end of this movie, she's going to be a younger version of Harley Quinn. Like, yeah. no, thank you, Little Quinn. <laughs> I don't need that. You know. Yeah. So th- I definitely had my issues as a comic book reader. Yeah. As a movie goer, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, that's that's how I went into this movie. I, I I divorced my comic book side, and I said, "Okay, stay at home, don't go." <laughs> you know, so I went in there to see, like, okay, well, what is this going to be, and then what kind of Easter eggs will I get? And I went in with that mindset, and I had fun. You know, I mean, did I need to see it at a movie theater? Probably not. I could have saved some money and watched it at home and been okay. Um, I've got, you know, like I, I didn't care for the non-linear path of it because it, it, like, because I'm watching the scene and I'd pick up the stuff and then I'd get it rehashed at me and I'm like, well, I saw that, I caught that, but that's just me, that's just my eye and it's like, okay, uh, but I did, I like that the narration, you know, I thought that was fun, um, you know, the, the the little jokes, the gags in there were neat, um, you know, but yeah, it was just, you know. Deadpool the movie and like, okay <laughs> you know but I get it you know that's just hey if it works I mean that's kind of what the comic know. books are doing Harley Quinn oh, yeah. and Deadpool are kind of interchange interchangeable now at this yeah. point yeah exactly you know th- that'll be the that'll be the couple that unites the two universes <laughs> <laughs> well uh, what was it in uh, the first Marvel versus DC it was it was uh, Tim Drake and Jubilee no yeah Kitty Jubilee Jubilee yeah, yeah Jubilee okay so I mean those two came together and made a couple that I get it. Deadpool and Harley Quinn. There you go. Uh, but uh, yeah, so no, like I said, I just, I enjoyed it. Um, what did you think of uh, Ewan McGregor's Black Mask? I liked it. I liked his Black Mask and I liked Christmas Cena's uh, Zaz, Victor Zaz. So Zaz surprised me. Like okay. I, I didn't know Zaz was in the movie. I guess mm. I just missed that. So I was like, oh, that's cool. So it was interesting because Zaz in the comics just doesn't talk. No. You know, he's just like, he just looks at you with his creepy eyes and you know, you're like, oh, there's his five pattern scars all across his body. <laughs> Yikes. Um, so yeah, it was just like, okay, you know, so I thought that was neat. I really liked the fact that like, even though black mask is the super mastermind, he's so emotionally a train wreck that Zaz plays him, you know, it's like, oh, this is happening. You know, like it kind of reminded me, what was it? Was it the jungle book with the lion? And when the snake would kind of like crawl around and like, mm-hmm. this is what's going on. You know, like <laughs> I was like, that's cool. Like it was neat. Um, yeah, I mean, Black Mask, like, again, and it's funny because, like, I guess I just, my tie to the character is the one year I think we went to uh, Phoenix Comic Con. Right. Or Fan Fest. Sorry, I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> fan at Fest. the time it was still Comic Con, <laughs> yeah. but that's fine. And so it was a last minute cosplay. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I've got a suit. I can buy a paintball mask and be Black Mask. All right, neat. You know, um, he's like the character's been killed and even the replacement I think has been killed. So it's just like, it's red hood, you know, it's black mask, you know? Uh, but it was, it was neat. It was interesting. I like Ewan McGregor. I think he's a great actor. So it was enjoyable to see him. And you know, he definitely, I'm sure he had a lot of fun on set just getting to be like, I get to be an emotional train wreck and be all over the place, you know? So yeah, so that was pretty wild. So yeah, I think it was neat. Um, it's just, it's tough. Cause I know you and I had this conversation before and it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's so exciting when you finally get to see these characters 
make it to the big screen, but then they don't use the version that we're used mm-hmm. to that we've seen. And it's like, that's a shame because we love that version. Like people will love that version too. That's what made that character last for so long. Um, so yeah, that's why it's tough because like, I agree like Cassandra Kane, it's like, ah, oh, she, no offense to anybody, but she deserves better. You know, it's like, I mean, I'll, I'll say this right know. now. I, I, and I don't want to be negative, but I just did not enjoy the young actress who played Cassandra Kane. I did not, did not think she did a good job. And it's hard. It's hard for children to be good actors. You, you'll get one out of maybe 50 that is actually really good. Yeah. And their last names are Fanning. Like, it's, <laughs> it's just the way that it happens. There's not very many good child actors. And yeah. that's just because of experience. Like, I can't expect a child to be an amazing actor at such a young age. What do they have to pull from, right? But I just did not believe most of the scenes that she was in. Like yeah. it just it was hard for me to to watch. Yeah, well and, and she she became a character that I just didn't find myself attached to. Mm-hmm. Like I mean I felt bad for like when there was the the scene in the apartment with the foster there, yeah, parents. And I was yeah. like, oh man, that's a shame. But then it's like you see how she's acting and things like that and it's like, oh okay, well you know, like I know life's hard, but that doesn't mean, you know, like our heroes choose the better path, you know, because like that was kind of like something I struggled with with Billy Batson and Shazam. You know, it's like, OK, I don't mind if you got a pickpocket and steal to survive. That's understandable. But um, like, oh, my God. Um, what's what am I? I just lost my thought up. Uh, but, you know, when they're when they're self-righteous jerks, then it's like, OK, well, that's tough. And I get it. You know, like pain happens in life and you get angry. But that's what makes the heroes is they understand pain happens, but they still rush back into the fire to help pull others out, you know. So I think at the end of this movie, uh, you see our birds of prey, our huntress, bird, uh, Black Canary, Renee Montoya, which I don't know if Renee Montoya has ever been a birds of play, prey, which I also was not okay with them getting Rosie Perez as the birds of prey, like, yeah, or as a- Renee Montoya. Uh, I think it was weird because like they obviously wanted someone younger to play the role, and I'm not saying that Rosie Perez is too old to be in stuff. Like it's just this particular character was written for someone that was younger. They even in the line, the dialogue says uh, she grew up in the eighties with, you know, cop shows. And then she talks that way. It's like, well, Rosie Perez did not grow up in the eighties. Yeah. Uh, she grew up in the night or the seventies. The like it's, it's obvious. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like they, I don't see why they couldn't have fi- found a younger actress to play the role. Uh, but fine. You know she is a good actress. She did she did a good jo- good enough job. I yeah. think if they decide to go on with the birds of prey birds of prey brand and title, I think the next one you will get Barbara Gordon Oracle. I don't think Harley Quinn will come back to be their their quote unquote leader. She might be a part of the movie, and I can see that because Harley Quinn sells like it is a character that people love. Yeah, that is definitely like it's a it's a title that pops. So it's like, okay, there you go. But this also I think it also leaves it open for the next time Harley Quinn wants to do a team movie to get the Gotham City Sirens. Like she can be like, "All right, I teamed up with the heroes. Let's see what happens if I team up with uh my, you know, my villainous women, you know, yeah. uh Poison Ivy and Catwoman and Firefly. I was, really I was expecting a, a Poison Ivy cameo. Yeah. Yeah. I was honestly expecting a Batman cameo. Like just like in Shazam, how we saw Superman, but oh, we didn't yeah, see Henry Cavill. Costume, yeah. I thought we were gonna at least see the costume. Uh we saw the back of someone being the Joker, the the back of their head when he was tattooing that dude. But other than that, we didn't see any cameos, so to speak. And I was honestly surprised about that. It does take place in the DCEU, if you still want to call it that. So overall, I said I enjoyed the movie. If you want to go out and see it, you go out and see it. If you don't wait for a video then or home video, then wait for home video. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's fun. I wouldn't recommend going into theaters. Like if you're going to go in the theaters, like I'd say go watch 1911, you know, like, oh my God. 1917. 1917. Why do I care? Every time I just pull these random years, but 1917, you know, like, oh my God, like that movie you want is amazing. That, that explosions and all that stuff, you know? Um, yeah, you know, things like that. But yeah, Harley Quinn, I mean, it's it's just fun. Like, if you got time to kill, put it on, check it out, you know. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was kind of bummed about some of those things. It's like, yeah, Rosie Perez is the question. Oh, <laughs> you know, but yeah, it is what it is. I mean, they all kind of were wearing that out, their outfits at the, towards the end of the movie, which... Oh, those cool. outfits looked horrible. No, I'm uh, sorry. I, like, I thought they were okay. Like, okay, Huntresses was kind of neat. And I think, honestly, she was my favorite character of the, of the show. Um, 
you know, just cause again, I like that, that stuntedness of her, but at the same time she was still compassionate enough. You mm-hmm. know? Um, so I thought that was fun. And like, I don't know, I guess I think it was the mask. I just didn't care for like the, the like the suit was neat. Cause they still had those, like those Catholic elements on her. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause she's very much a, a character of that. Like she's the punisher. She's a female punisher. Right. Now. It's like somebody who grew up in this faith, but your family is very bad people and all that. And so I, I thought that was neat, but yeah, I think it was just the mask. It was like, what the <laughs> heck is that? <laughs> uh, all right. Let's get into talking about the first couple of the Marvel Universe. Reed and Sue Storm. When were they created? All right. So their first appearance is in the classic Fantastic Four number one released, if I remember correctly, 1961. Uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby teamed up and they just hit it out of the park. This comic made its way from just being something juvenile to being read at colleges by college students, uh, people talking about it, and even DC Comics now worrying about it. So this creates the Marvel Age. But even more importantly, the big moment, though, uh, Fantastic Four Annual, Volume 1, Issue 3. Why? The whole Marvel Universe came together for the wedding of Sue. And, <laughs> and it's insane. Now, um, if you remember the, ooh, what year was that? 2008 Fantastic Four 2? Okay, yeah, the movie? Yeah, I think that's The Rise of the Silver Surfer. We had a version of that. We had their... Uh, the their, Sue, wedding, yeah. the, their wedding, the Sue Storm Reed Richards wedding, and everybody made it, including Stanley. Oh, of course. <laughs> well, there's even the joke of that too. Like even in the comics, like Stan and Jack tried to make it, and I think Nick Fury stopped him. He's like, sorry, you guys don't have passes. <laughs> and if you ever read Marvels, they kind of play the same thing again. Oh, okay. Uh, and even in Marvels, the Beatles made it to the wedding as well. <laughs> I mean, they are famous because they're not. They don't. They no, don't. No secret identities. They don't have the secret identities because yeah. they are a family of superheroes so you don't have that well i have to protect my loved ones your loved ones can protect themselves they have powers uh the brother johnny is is the human torch you know (laughs) yeah they have the they have um they have the fantastic four foundation the the, oh four freedoms plaza with yeah yeah, the the four baxter building all the you know all these stuff that everything's fortified and safe and Yeah. yeah you know it's it's perfect like yeah they 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 totally use the, oh, well, he created the unstable molecules for our costumes. Well, yes. <laughs> it's also used for firefighters' outfits so that they can go into fires and not burn and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so Reed and Sue, was it a long engagement? Was it long date? I would definitely say it was a long courtship engagement courtship. because, you know, like I said, in, in their first appearance, if I remember correctly, I think it was 61 when, when the Marvel Universe began and you know, they're dating, you know, it's like, so Reed is like, I am going to space. I will do this. And my friend Ben Grimm will fly, will pilot this rocket ship because he's the greatest pilot from the air force. And then Sue's like, but you're my boyfriend. I don't want you to get hurt. So I'm going to go in outer space with you. And yes, you know, she was very written cliched, you know, the damsel in distress and Johnny, the brother, like you're all going into space. I'll go too. Yay. You know? And so they go into space and they discover their powers. So they literally had just two tag alongs. Like, yeah, I like the fact that more modern day Fantastic yeah, like, Four is made it so that they're there. Yeah, yeah, they're scientists. They're you know he's a pilot and kind of thing. Yeah. So no, well they've definitely done a better job of of personality shaping because it's funny like you don't realize the origin it, how important it is because it's not necessary because you're you're displaying the character because it's kind of like even like the origin of Superman you know it's like I don't even know if Krypton is mentioned in Action Comics number one you know like, probably yeah so it's yeah. like yeah he's just a strange visitor from another planet you know and, and the Fantastic Four is Marvel's first family you know and even then they weren't built that way um, but yeah, so no, like they finally get married in October of 65 so it was about a good four years mm-hmm. you know and you know, obviously, like they love to play with it. You know, the minute, like, even when Doctor Doom first appears, I want to say, I think Fantastic Four number three. You know, he he seduces Sue. He's got her, you know, tied up at his table, and they're having dinner. And he's like, "Here is my tragic origin." Mm-hmm. So I imagine that's how that variant <laughs> is. That with, you know, that would be my Doctor Doom voice. <laughs> Get to the chopper. You know? He's from um, Austria. Yeah, <laughs> it just gets worse as time goes on. <laughs> it's not a tumor. <laughs> but uh, well, you know, I think you found your next Doctor Doom. Just get Arnold Schwarzenegger to come do it. <laughs> I was hoping you were gonna say me. I'll okay, sure, you could you could do it. <laughs> I have that tragedy as well. No, but uh. So anyways, um, you know, so like they would try to put those love interests there. And then even then, Namor returns in Fantastic Four number four. 
Huge moment right there. Well, a huge issue because now Marvel is recognizing its golden age. So all that stuff has happened. You know, uh, Namor came back before Captain America. Mm-hmm. So all the golden age has happened. And even then Namor, he's so like, what the hell? You know, I saved this world and this is how you thank me. You pollute the seas. I am so disgusted. And so he kidnaps Sue. And of course, you know, as he's got her kidnapped, they start talking. And there's always been that flirtation. And she obviously has an attraction because, you know, I mean, here's this amazing looking man just in a pair of, you know, seaweed speedos. (laughs) Well, not just man, King. (laughs) Yeah, it's true, too. His power. And so it definitely, I think that kind of pushed Reed to be like, okay, we better hurry things up now. (laughs) (laughs) Let me get that ring out. (laughs) But yeah, no, it, it happened. So a good four years of stuff. And, you know, I wish I could find out what issue of Fantastic Four. Well, no, okay. Issue 43 and 44 is where they were in between. So that's not too bad. So yeah, you know, good chunk of time. Uh, definitely a lot Just of character over, yeah. developing, and so yeah, it's four years, uh, and then finally, it's Mary time. So and, they they get married, and I mean, has has there been there has to have been divorce or you know breaking up and, and stuff like that i mean it's been 50 70 years since they got married yeah no their relationship has definitely gone through some turmoil um 50 60 years sorry yeah like i remember so gosh it was like in the 90s when it was all hollow foil from marvel mm-hmm. every comic had that and so they had one where like like Reed got killed. So at this point it was Reed wearing the classic costume and he had like a safari style jacket <laughs> just for extra pockets. <laughs> and you're like, this is the man who has unstable molecules. His pockets are ridiculous. But anyway, so that's what you're in. I mean, his body can turn into pockets. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> Sue was wearing the boob window costume oh, as they yeah. called it, you know? And so like, yeah, they're out there running around. So Reed got killed and it was like, Oh my gosh. So now she's a widow, you know, she's got to deal with all that. Um, I remember even as far back as Civil War when that happened, you know, Reed was one of the members of the think tank and Sue and Johnny had been attacked and they were like, we couldn't use our powers and this is horrible. What's going on to our friends? We can't be a part of it. So that was leading towards like, you know, a divorce type of thing, you know. Uh, so yeah, no, there's definitely been strain on their relationships. You know, Namer is a stray, uh, you know, on that <laughs> because, there's that line. You know, there's the, where's Sue at? Oh, she's gone. Well, where'd she go? The same yeah. place she always goes. And it's it's Namer. She goes to talk to Namer because she has a different relationship with him. Like, she can probably be a different person. She's not Sue Storm uh, or Sue Richards, the the invisible woman. She's not Sue, Sue the mother, Sue the, the wife, Sue the sister. She gets to be something different with Namer. Yeah. Uh, this is an issue that popped up on my radar. Fantastic Four, she 141. So... Uh, Susan left Reed after he unlaterally decided to shut down the mind of their son, Franklin. Reed only acted to save the solar system from Franklin's powers, but it alienated Susan. Eventually, they were able to overcome their issues, restore Franklin's mind, and renew their commitment to each other, but it was touch and go for a while. So in that era, you know, when it came to, like, doing something for their child, like, he sees what he's doing is right, she sees what she's doing is wrong, so that was tough. Uh, There was an era, I want to say, like, late 80s, probably early 90s, when Sue got... uh, inhabited as the uh by the by the the i don't know what you would call it, but the mind force of malice malice that's so right malice took over sue and was like yeah here we go we're gonna get angry we're gonna do some crazy stuff it's, i mean she's at that point recognized it's one of the most powerful beings in all of the marvel universe like her power set is actually pretty incredible pretty uh out there pretty powerful uh I mean, we think of it, oh, she just turns herself invisible. No, she's actually producing those force fields that can uh, redirect light around her. So a force field is just an obstruction. And like, I, I know there's times when it's like, oh, well, I can put a force field right in the middle of your, 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 the vein going right into your yeah. brain and, you know, cause uh, your brain to stop. Like, it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> So when the two of them, you know, are are together, they're always able to look past. I mean, it's got to be it's got to be Sue that it looks past most of the flaws that Reed has, right? Like Reed, we think of him as the the quote unquote leader of the Fantastic Four, but more often than not, it's he's working on something and uh, a mission comes up, and it's kind of a side thought it's like oh well i'm already taking care of something else but we need to go take care of this too so 
what is it? I mean, why? Who do you think has written written them the best of why it is that Sue sticks around with Reed? Ooh, who's written them the best? I would have to say I'd probably go back to like Mark Wade's run. Uh, I think he did a great job of kind of bringing the family back together because I think Mark Wade was the writer after Civil War, so he did a good job of you know, kind of bringing them back together and like the four of them coming back together as well, because even though it may be Reed and Sue with their relationship, there's also, you know, a lot more to it. Um, I mean, just like Ben, Ben has always been like, Reed, one day you're going to cure me, right? You're going to cure <laughs> me from looking like this big rock monster. Cause of all of the four, he's the one that had the physical deformity, the one that can't look like a, a regular person, so to speak. So he was he was a monster. He was afraid of being that. I mean, now I think they they write him more as being like, oh, he's completely okay with the way he looks, and you know he's accepted it, and people accept the the fact that he's the blue eyed, ever loving thing. Yeah, you know, like he's well, he's, he's made just, his peace with it, and even then, yeah, it's kind of like this is better for me. <laughs> but has Ben? I mean, I have to imagine Ben has been like, dude, how can you sit here and make unstable molecules but not fix me? Like this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Uh, did you ever think that maybe it's it's more of a magical thing that what, what changed them instead of just science? You know, there could be something to it. You know, like I'm sure somebody could come along and be like, yeah, you know, like let's have it that you know there's more to it than just cosmic rays. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know that that's always a tough one. Um, like. I, I don't know. Like I, I like I personally I like it being the science of it. You know. Oh, I so do I. I think that's being neat. But why um, is it that Reed has never been able to figure it out? Well, you know, it's uh, that's the drama of it. You know, because I guess like you know, in life, you know, this is uh, something I'm going to say to myself at the moment. We can't always get what we want. You uh-huh. know. So that's what makes the hero even more tragic. You know. Um, I kind of sometimes I think it's also like if he figures out a way to cure Ben, it's it's it will also be a way to cure himself or so to speak right. cure. So he can't let that out there like if someone else got that out got the their hands on that formula all of a sudden johnny doesn't turn into the human storm sue can't go invisible and he doesn't stretch anymore like there's that possibility so he just keeps putting it on the back burner he keeps locking it away so it never happens yeah that's true and actually that's a good point because it's like yeah if i crack that nut then that could mean something to all of us yeah Uh you know um yeah, it's funny. Like, as you were mentioning that, that made me think of there was a funny um, Chris Caruso when he was drawing the mini Marvels. And so there would be moments and like they even played with this even in uh, the comics as well. Um, like it like so the, the, the cosmic rays, obviously, like it's it's going to half life to a point or something like that. So it, it, it destabilizes out of Ben and he's like, I'm a man. I'm human again. And then all of a sudden, like he starts glowing and then he turns in the thing and he's like, ah, oh, darn it. Why does this keep happening? And he walks away and then you see Reed holding a gun that says cosmic rays. And he's like, there will always be a fantastic four. <laughs> I like that. That's pretty good. I mean, I always considered Reed to be. I mean, I know that they probably rewritten it at this point in the Marvel Universe. And they've made other people smarter than him, but I always consider him the, f- the smartest one in the Marvel Universe. Oh, yeah. It's got to be Reed. I mean, it's like Tony Stark is like, and that's what I always laugh about because these they all have their own specialties. Like Hank Pym is like, he's biology of insects, uh, mineralization, min- minute, miniaturization, you know, items and stuff like that. Uh, a little bit of a chemist. Tony Stark's an engineer, you know, and they all have their specialties. But like Reed is the one who's like, I'm a master at this. And then I dabbled in that and I dabbled in that and I dabbled in that. And 12 doctors later, I mean, there I am. <laughs> but again, at the same time, I don't think Reed was as smart as he began. I always liked that idea that they played with in, I think it was Earth X, where like, well, I can stretch anything, right? So I can stretch my brain. And it's like, yeah. well, oh my God, th- that opens up possibilities. So that's even a benefit to why he can be the smartest man. He can do all those things. And then there's um, the ultimate world where he became he becomes the villain. Like, yeah, the maker. Having all that knowledge corrupted him, like so to speak. Yeah. It's I, I, Well, if I can fix this, then I can fix anything. I can fix the world and create it, recreate it in my image kind of thing. And yeah, I mean... The, the ultimate universe, so to speak, is gone, but he's still he's still there. Makes a yeah. appearance every once in a while, and, actually, and that he reminds me when you're asking me who are some good writers. Uh, John John Hickman, his run on Fantastic Four was very vital as well, so I'd I'd toss him in there. So, in more recent history of the Fantastic Four, we had Sue and Reed 
quote unquote die. Yeah. So going back to Hickman. So he did his, so Hickman comics, they're all connected. As you <laughs> to say. So it's like, yeah, you got to read his ultimates. And then that leads to his fantastic four, which leads to his Avengers, which leads to secret war in uh, secret war. Yeah. It comes down to it. It's secret war back in what was it 2016 or something like that it's a fantastic four story uh dr doom manages to get the ultimate power and he reshapes the universe in the image that he wants and it's funny because i love it in the like the 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 final part of it like reed is like you could have done anything you could have done you could have cured everything you could have fixed everything but all you did was steal my life (laughs) sure enough that's what's happening reed is married to sue the two children still exist and they think doom's their dad you know he's like that's all you did and so they have the big battle and you know we think they die you know because everything dies as the story would say uh but no they just they went out into the stars but you know everybody in the marvel universe is like oh my god readings who died to restart the universe and all these things and that and they might as well have in in terms of the comics because it's like we didn't have anything then they finally brought the book back um well that's when we had we had uh johnny and and ben were still around yeah so they were doing that the marvel two and one two and one playing with that and so but the but Reed and Sue took their kids with them. Yeah, so Reed and Sue and the children, they just went off into space and explored. You know? But now they're back. Yes. Are we getting the untold tales of where they were gone? Or would they just blinked out of existence and then came back? So that's a tough one. I'm not 100% sure because I'm not following the books. Like right now you have the Fantastic Four written by Dan Slott. And I imagine it's good. Dan Slott. I mean, he did great with Spider-Man. Yeah, he did fantastic with Spider-Man. So I can only imagine he's doing great stuff there with the Fantastic Four. Um so I don't know if maybe he's peppering stuff in there. There is an FF book, I believe. So that's kind of dealing with the future foundation, the kids. So there might be some story elements in there. Um, I don't know if they're exploring it head on, but that could definitely be something that later on it's like, oh, yeah. Remember that one universe we didn't save? And, you know, that's when Reed is like, oh, we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of find it. I mean, it kind of makes me think of Superboy Prime and Alexander Luther, like, yeah. you know, being stuck in a a, a outside of the universe universe <laughs> and just sitting there watching and was that what was going on with reed sue and valerie and well, the way franklin I, the way i interpreted it i took it as they just went out there to go make sure like okay this was the blueprint for the way the universe was so let's go back and make sure everything got put back together correctly essentially just you know? rebuilding the universe from yeah. their memories yeah just like okay you know this planet was here this asteroid was there the biology on that planet is this okay so let's just make sure everything's good otherwise then yeah you're like oh crap there's a jelly bean planet out there with you know <laughs> evil grapefruit you know i don't know <laughs> so it's like we got to stop it uh so with all that uh being said would you like to see a book where they recap like what they did while they were gone you know i i could do without yeah honestly i could like for me i think right now something that i'd like to see with the fantastic four i kind of want to delve into like like either the relationship like we're talking about so i think that could be fun like they could do like a a yearbook so like 12 issues of you know how they started where they're at and where they ended you know something like what tom king's doing with Batcat. um maybe do another origin story like i enjoyed fantastic four season one when marvel was doing those those season one mm-hmm. books i bought that one i was like oh my god this is amazing it's fantastic yeah obviously pick best word to pick but it was just it was like wow the characterization was great um diving into stan and jack like one of these years i need to read it i think they did 102 consecutive issues of fantastic four and at the time that was the longest running consecutive team uh so i'd love to go back and read theirs john burns stuff um so I guess I'm at that point where it's like, no, just rehash the stuff give me the old stuff but in a modern twist you know things like that um because if I want to read the new stuff, I think I would just read the book and I don't need them to go back to that. Because like Secret Wars was interesting, but at the same time, it just got boring. It just got too freaking heady, you know? So it was just kind of like, yeah, you know, like when you see amazing art, but then like most of it's covered up in word, it's kind of like, well, if I want to read a novel, I'll read a novel. <laughs> okay. So it, where would you like to see the couple go next? I mean, we we the, we need Franklin and Valerie to grow up, right? We right. need them to be get, to get older. Do you see them having a third child? You know, I don't I don't think they would just because like I think when they think about it cuz they technically did have a third child oh. because they had Franklin and then they had they were going to have their second uh, child and even Doc Ock was helping with like the pregnancy, but the the child died. 
And that was a huge impact on the relationship as well. Uh, they tried again, and that was Valerie. And it's like, oh, wow, this is great. But that one, um, you, they needed Dr. Doom to help him. I help. think so. I think he turned yeah. out to be the health, or he's like the godfather or something, you know. And so, like, I don't know. Like, I guess it would be neat. Like, I guess I do want to just see them be a couple. Like, maybe there's moments of it in the book, but it'd be nice. You know, like, give us a date issue, you know, or who would they double date with, you know? Like, so it sounds like you want you know. Tom King to come write the book. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> like, hey, come over and put those ideas in there, you know. But, like, I don't need the drama. Like, I don't want to see them break up because that gets old. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, that's real life. I don't want to read that in real life. I want to see something that works. So sadly, I got to go to comic books for that. So it's like, okay, but I, I want to see something that works. I want to see, you know, like, yeah, give us an anniversary issue. They don't have to put the exact date, you know, like, oh, it's our 25th anniversary. No, just like, hey, happy anniversary. And let's see how it goes. You know, see those those tender moments, you know. Maybe have a an issue where, you know, Sue is just feeling real vulnerable and how does Reed comfort her? Um, where Reed's at the end of his rope and how does Sue comfort him? You know, that'd be neat stuff like that. So, yeah, I just I just want the, the relationship stuff. <laughs> That's fair. That's completely fair. Uh, all right. So if you have any more information on the first couple of the Marvel Universe, Reed and Sue Richards, we'd love to hear about hear from you. So you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia, G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. You can also find Chris online at... I'm on Twitter as Stuff I Should Say, should being spelled S-H-U-D. Um, I also try to put some writings out there, so check out geekelitemedia.com and adventuresinpoortaste.com for what I write. The rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes, archived ep- check out archived <laughs> episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Media Network on our website, geekelitemedia.com. But until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.